Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to learn about rowing and a fun event happening this weekend up in Gimli with Janine Stevens. And then we are going to talk to Kirby Shep about the FIBA World Cup and Simon Hildebrandt's incredible season with the Sea Bears. That's all coming up on the podcast. If you're looking for something new to check out this weekend, or maybe you're in the Gimli area, well, we've got something for you. The Manitoba Rowing Association hosting the Prairie Beach Sprints Regatta this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the north beach of Gimli. Beach Sprints Regattas, they're uh, coastal rowing races, and what does that mean? Good question. I don't know, so let's find out from someone who does. Janine Stevens, two-time Olympic rower, now coaches the sport here in Manitoba. Janine, tell us what this event is all about. So coastal rowing is very new to Manitoba and still quite new to Canada. In 2018, Canada hosted the World Championships, but that event was a 6K or 8-kilometer race in through the waves on the ocean. Um, And this beach sprints is even different from that. So you start on the beach, you run anywhere from 10 to 50 meters, whatever beach you have access to, jump into the boat with your partner already in the boat waiting for you, uh, slalom through some buoys out 250 meters, and then come straight back. And then when you're at the beach, you jump out and run to the finish line um, and grab the flag to end the race which is much different than our normal spectators only see 400 or 500 meters of the race. They can see almost the whole thing. Uh, The whole race takes less than three minutes. So it's really fast. The next race starts pretty quickly after. So it's a quick turnaround from what we're used to. And this is the first year we're running it. And we turned to Gimli to see if we could use some of their beach to make it happen. And the idea of this is doing it in a spot where there are waves. The water is not kind. That's right. Yeah. So we want waves. The back half of the boat is cut off from what we normally race in. So the waves, if they do come over and into the boat, they wash out and uh, don't stay in the boat. And the idea is to have waves. We'll take whatever we can get, especially running it for our first time. Maybe we can find more waves elsewhere, but you can get windy days in Gimli and you can get beautiful days with calm water. So we'll we'll take whatever we can get to run our first event. But what are you secretly hoping from Lake Winnipeg? Are you hoping for more waves or are you hoping for calm deep down? I think somewhere in the middle. Okay. Because it's our first, I'd rather people, I don't want it to be fierce waves because I think it will overwhelm. It'll be just new and crazy trying to steer the boats. They're a bit different than what, if, row, if they are coming from rowing, it's newer to them than the regular racing shells that we use. So I think uh, the lighter winds will give us a good introduction on how it all works and just prepare us for next year. Probably makes it nicer to attend as a spectator, too. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how many people are, are running in this and, and who who all is in it? Is it locals? Is it from all over? So this year, the event's pretty small. Um I think there might be 25 to 30 participants. It took us a while to get all of our ducks in a row, but there'll be a men's event, a women's event, and then a mixed event. Um, So each event starts with a time trial. So you go one at a time and then it goes into a bracket format. And so then it's like whatever first and last race each other. And so then it becomes a dual event. So it's 
you're racing one other boat. So it's um, a chance to test your speed, not only against the clock, but also against the other boats on the water to see who will advance. And so we'll do, we'll run the A side and the B side because we'll have enough time uh, allowed to do that. We weren't sure um, with participant numbers what that would look like, but I think we'll have access to both of those. And then we'll run the men's event, the women's event, and then we'll do the mixed event at the end. So was there just a a thought of, okay, let's try to see what else we can do with rowing in creating this discipline what what was the impetus behind be uh, you know beach sprints like this coastal rowing good question i actually don't know where it started originally but from a world stage point and even within canada it does give a really neat opportunity for more places to have this sport um so for us it's hard in kenora we have a 2000 meter race course on rabbit lake but in Manitoba proper we don't have a 2000 meter race course that we use that people maintain right now Um, but this can happen on any lake the boats are a bit cheaper Um, island countries who don't have a thing have you know major lakes where they can have flat water rowing so this has become sort of the next thing we'll find out September 8th if beach sprints will be a demonstration sport in the 2028 Olympics. So it is sort of a worldwide um, increase in participation and there's world championships events every year now. And so it sort of people got excited about it and then it's taken off. So we're excited to jump on the bandwagon and see what's possible. It sounds like a lot of fun. Have you thought about, how you do if this was around when you were back in your, I don't want to say you're not in your prime, but back in the day. Yeah. Um, Sprinting was not my uh, best part of my race. So, but I think this is different because you can train to sprint it. Um, But it's a bit different if you're, if it's really wavy versus not the race is quite different. So I think you have to sort of, Right now, I think a lot of it is just rowers who were previously flatwater rowers who are now making the change over to beach or participating in both. But I think if this is uh, if this goes through with the Olympics in 2028, you'll see a lot of people who are going with the intention of that sort of two minute and 50 second sprint in mind, and you're training for that and not a five or a two kilometer or five six seven minute race. And again, on the uh, hardware part of this, is it, it you're using the same boat you'd normally be using? How is it different? Different boats. Okay. So there's no, normally we're in really skinny, very thin, pretty light, uh, expensive boats. These are also, well, they're still expensive, but they don't have a back end. They're half expensive. Half is expensive because only half the boat's there, but they're much bigger, much heavier, a little bit more robust. Uh, we're not going to run them into the ground or anything, but um, yeah, they're made to go through waves and to the rigor moves on it. So if you're in a big wave, you can try and get your oar into the water so that it does catch some water if you're in the crest. And so it's sort of designed to work with the water a little bit more than the flat water racing. Okay. So it's not as simple as a, just like a kayak, but it's it's not as as fancy as maybe what you'd see right. in the Olympics. Somewhere in between right. there. 
Yes. Okay. So yeah. uh, what what's next for, for you between now and, and Saturday? Everything, all the ducks are in a row, you said, so it's just a matter of waiting till till you you get to the date or are any people you coach taking part in this they will be yep i've they got them to sign up they had their first sort of little chance to participate in a beach sprints event in regina this summer in early july they added that to their program that they normally run a thousand meter race they added this and uh, people were really surprised at how fun it was and how much they enjoyed it. So those people are happy to come back and continue, and then it'll be introduced to everybody else who's participating. So I've also sent an email out to some of our alums who I have rowed with in the past or people who I know are still rowing that they should come and check it out because this is sort of a new thing for them to see if they'd like to, if I can convince them to come back or just come and watch and be introduced. So... It should be a really fun event. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. And one thing I haven't mentioned is that if anyone wants to go check it out, it's free. It is free. It's on the Gimli North Beach. The easiest way I've been telling people is to just Google the Gimli Beach Patrol. It gives you the address on Lake Street. We're just north of that, and it'll be set up. Anyone can watch it. Uh, we're just going to make sure that people aren't in the way of the actual participants running to and from their boats on the beach. Cause that is the start and finish line on the beach. But yeah, when races aren't happening, we can show people the boats and they can see what they can learn. Come and watch. Well, Janine, this sounds like a blast. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this and have fun this weekend. Thank you so much. Friday morning, Canada at the FIBA World Cup will be getting things underway. They take on France. And to get us set for the action, we are joined by Kirby Shep, head coach of the U of M Bisons men's basketball team, and to spend time with Basketball Canada as well over the years. Kirby, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, Christian. Thanks for doing this. And uh, for you looking at this FIBA World Cup, first of all, uh, just the tournament as a whole, is it the Olympics and then the FIBA World Cup in terms of global basketball supremacy for you? Yeah, I mean, definitely. One, one of the things that's kind of interesting is the World Cup has expanded uh, in this sort of uh, version of it to 32 teams. So it really is truly a World Cup, very similar to what we've seen in, you know, in soccer. And, uh, you know, it, it's a global game and uh, it's certainly great to see it. I think in a lot of ways, in some ways, the World Cup is bigger than the Olympics. I mean, just in terms of the inclusiveness of it and uh, and the allure and you know it, we've got a lot of great players in here so should be uh, should be a great one to watch and we're going to definitely see some high level basketball. Philippines, Japan, and Indonesia, the host countries. So the games are on early, 8:30 a.m. Friday. They take on France. They have Lebanon on Sunday at 4:45 a.m. And then their uh, third match of the group play, they take on Latvia Tuesday of next week at uh, 8.30 a.m. before we go into the next round. So Canada, I'd say of those four teams, Kirby, uh, the, uh, would we rank them below France? Are they above France? Because that seems to be the one match up that uh, they're not maybe going to be the obvious favorite in. Yeah, certainly world ranking-wise, Canada would be below France. You know, France uh, has most of their guys, I believe, for this tournament, you know, headlined by you know, Rudy Gobert and, you know, a number of others. Of course, um, number one overall pick, Victor Wembanyama will not play for France in this tournament, uh, choosing instead to focus on his rookie season. But, uh, yeah, the France, 
right off the bat, you know, real tough matchup, certainly one of the medal favorites, and that is going to be a clash. Uh, Latvia missing Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, you know, they're, they're certainly going to be a little bit undermanned. They're a pretty solid squad nonetheless, and, and Lebanon should be an easy win for Canada. But, you know, in the warm-up games, you know, Canada has shown some flashes and they have tremendous talent, but defensively they have not looked great. And uh, so hopefully they can, you know, start to clean up uh, a number of those things and, and play well going into this first group phase. So this is not the everybody's best uh, if you look across all the rosters. So, you know, a lot of the countries have no NBA players or maybe one or two USA's, you know, they've got a, very, a pretty young roster. The superstars that, you know, from the NBA aren't there. Giannis is not playing for Greece. Luka Doncic is playing for Slovenia. Uh, and then you look at team Canada, Jamal Murray is not taking part in the, t- with the team. Andrew Wiggins isn't with the team, but where do you think this team ranks in terms of teams we've sent to men's basketball competitions before with the likes of R.J. Barrett, Lou Dort, and I think probably the biggest star of the team is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Well, I think in terms of talent, this is without question the most talented team Canada has ever faced. I do not believe we have ever fielded a team entirely of NBA players at international competition before. I mean, we're cutting NBA players now, and that, that just speaks to the depth of talent. The challenge, of course, in FIBA basketball is it's not just about talent, but a number of these teams, you know, the teams like Australia that have great, you know, global systems that they've built up for a number of years. And those teams are going to play together really good. France had put in that category too. They're going to play really good basketball. The adjustment to the FIBA style of play is going to be there. So that is definitely going to be our challenge. USA, while they're still young, will still have the most talented roster for sure. I mean, a lot of young stars there. I like the way that roster has been put together. I mean, they've got a really good balance. But, yeah, I mean, Canada certainly, as you said, Shea Gilles-Alexander is certainly our headliner. R.J. Barrett has played tremendous basketball in their warm-up games. Uh, I really want to see how the young college kid, Zach Eady, 7'4", plays. I think his game tailor-made to FIBA basketball. So, you know, if they can figure out and started to, to gel a little bit and come together, you know, they've been really short time they've been together and sort of learn to play the FIBA style a little bit, uh, you know, they certainly have a shot at a medal here, and who knows, maybe even win it all. It'd be great to see them make a run. Some other names that might be familiar to people, Kelly Olenek is on the team, Dylan Brooks, Lou Dort, as I mentioned, Dwight Powell, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker of the Timberwolves is on this team as well. So, they, you know, there, there are players that aren't there, but Canada is seeing a, a moment, I think, Kirby, over the last 20 years, and I think you can... Give the Toronto Raptors credit for this. You can give Steve Nash credit for this, but I think Canada basketball is probably deeper than it's ever been. No question. You know, I, I actually, you know, go back farther than that. I go back to Vince Carter. I give credit for that, right? I mean, you know, the arrival of insanity exploded the game of basketball, specifically in the GTA, right? I mean, we, we've seen basketball explode in that region, but really, it's a, you know, it's a it's a nationwide game, and and uh, and we see it really grow to to tremendous levels, and we're we're consistently producing high level talent at all of our levels, high level coaches as well. You know, I was uh, certainly fortunate to be a part of the youth national team programs for about twelve years, and coached a lot of the guys that are on this roster at different times at U sixteen, at U eighteen, U nineteen, you know, World Cups, things like that. And uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate to get a front row seat to to seeing these guys you know, come up and, and, uh, you know, we haven't had the success so far. I mean, we, we really haven't been able to put it together. We haven't necessarily had our, all of our top talent and there hasn't been that continuity and program, but, uh, 
certainly the talent gives you hope here going into this big event. Most of the players that are going to be suiting up in the tournament from Ontario, Lou Dort from Quebec, uh, Phil, Phil Scrub making the team, and Kelly Olenek both from BC. How much does not having Jamal Murray, though, hurt? Yeah, I mean, Jamal's got that experience, right? I mean, obviously coming off an NBA final, I think arguably Shea's probably our most talented guy with Jamal being right behind him. But, uh, you know, he's got that big game experience and uh, obviously, you know, it be a tremendous leader for us. But, you know, it's hard to blame him. You know, he's coming off a... You know, an 82-game season plus an NBA Finals run where he logged tremendous amounts of minutes. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to tell him to, you know, put in two months of training camp and another, you know, month of this World Cup tournament and, and leading into his NBA season. And, uh, you know, it, it's, hard, it's hard to blame him as he, you know, tries to go into another NBA season and win another title. So, Are the Americans the favorite in this tournament? I think they're always the favorite in any team, but they're not the prohibitive favorite that they've been in the past. It's not one of those, you know, we're not back in the dream team days where the other team, you know, took selfies or, you know, back in the day, just photos, I guess, with, with the players before they played. But uh, they certainly, you know, um, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of young players in that team that, that are going to make a real big impact here. And it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, who steps up for them you know, I really think in past where they've faltered and they haven't had their absolute best, it was a poorly constructed roster. I don't believe that's the case this time. I think Steve Kerr is a pretty good coach to have in that situation for USA. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly going to be uh, too great to see them compete too. But they're just not the prohibitive favorite they've been in the past. They certainly are susceptible to a loss, especially in a one-and-done situation. The young players like Jalen Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton leading that team. Uh, and just lastly, before we move on to the Bisons, uh, how much are you going to watch of this? Yeah, I mean, as you said, the challenge, of course, is how early in the morning it is, right? So uh, I'm fortunate enough that I'll, I have a synergy password that I can, uh, you know, that I'll get a lot of these games after the fact where I can break down possession by possession and, you know, so I'm going to spend some time probably dissecting it on a on a coach level in some ways. But uh, and I, you know what, I'm going to tune into uh, Team Egypt is uh, coached by my very good friend Canadian Roy Rana, and I was I've been a part of their organization now for the last year coaching their junior national team. So uh, I'll, I'll probably tune into a couple of those games as well. So uh, there could be a couple early mornings for me. Let's talk about Simon Hildebrandt. The U Sports uh, Rookie of the Year goes into the Canadian Elite Basketball League as the number one overall pick by the Sea Bears, and he's named the U Sports Player of the Year in that league. How valuable do you think this experience the last few months has been for Simon Hildebrandt as he heads into his second season with your program? Yeah, I mean, as a 19-year-old kid walking into a pro environment, so this is the thing that I think that European players have the advantage over North American players. So, you know, kids here, you know, in the U.S. and Canada, they go away to college and, you know, they, they, they're with other college kids and they're living a college life. But the Luka Dodgers of the world, they're pros at 15, 16, and they get to be around pros. So Simon had that experience, you know, of getting his first taste of pro basketball. Uh, he certainly stepped up and took advantage of it. You know, I thought, you know, Coach Mike Taylor did a great job with them and certainly did a great job with Simon. And, uh, you know, he's very, very thankful for that experience he got, uh, he got with the Sea Bears. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we expect him to, you know, to have a huge confidence boost and, you know, step up and, you know, be able to kind of come into a second year more ready to go and more expected to, to make an even bigger impact than he did, which is, you know, hard to say. He's an All-Canadian in his first year and the U Sports Rookie of the Year, as you mentioned. So, I mean, uh, yeah, he's, uh, 
we're certainly expecting big things from Simon, and I know he's expecting big things of himself. For a team that went eighteen and two last year, and uh, before you lost in a in a very memorable game to the Winnipeg Westman in a an amazing atmosphere at your school there, how valuable do you think it is now having a pro league here in Canada? to developing young talent as we talk about Canadian basketball competing on the world stage to be able to develop players in the U sports ranks, not just in the NCAA. Yeah, I think no question. It, it provides an extra layer and it's one of the weaknesses Canada has had for years as we compared to other countries around the world, we did not have a domestic pro league, right? So, you know, and that, as you said, it's a, it's a development league in many ways, you know, you can bring in import players, but there's a certain allotment of Canadians you have to have, on your roster and you know they, they the young guys just get an opportunity and the CBL to think that's a great job of you know making it in some ways a stepping stone league and the fact that they're in the summertime and all these guys go on to play in other leagues around the world and grow their game and and then them giving the opportunity for youth sports players to also come in you know and grow their game and the level of youth sports basketball has improved I think because of it I think it'll continue to improve you know to the point where you know, players don't really need to go abroad and they can come to Canada and they can have a great experience both in college and in pro basketball and grow their career in, in, a, in a really great way. I'm just curious from a coaching standpoint, the, the Westman head coach, Mike Rainbow, was a part of the assistant staff on this Seabears team. Are you worried about him getting any insider secrets on Simon Hildebrandt going into this season? <laughs> well, I'm sure Coach Rainbow's watching a film that he's uh, pretty familiar with, uh, with what he's about. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's up to our job to continue to have Simon's uh, game grow. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not worried. He, he'll, he'll take care of it just fine. All right. Well, appreciate your time on this Kirby. Thanks a lot. Best of luck as you head into the season and enjoy the basketball coming up at the FIBA world cup. Thanks Christian. All right. That's Kirby Shep head coach of the university of Manitoba Bison's men's basketball team. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all that they should. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you You may not share our intellect. Might explain the